Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Swings here and he drives one deep in the center. Puig is racing back, still going back. He looks up, it's gone! Over the center field wall for Hunter Pence. Pence will touch them all and score them all. A grand slam for Hunter Pence. It's not easy when it's tough. That's when you find out what you're made of. You get so much Brisbee in your ears if you want it. If you want Brisbee, oh gosh, you get it. Anybody want coffee? I'm making coffee. Anybody want? Yes! 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 I'm a frequent coffee drinker. I'm part of the club. I have a card. You're listening to The Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 15 of The Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. Hunter Pence, how are you doing? Grant, I'm doing very well. I'm very much enjoying this wonderful season and very excited for this all-star game that's headed our way soon. Yeah, no, this is going to be an all-star themed episode because uh, it's it's next week and all-star game, you know, I've been a professional writer for over 10 years now. I just don't get tired of all-star talk. I don't know what it is. Like there's a special like subcategory of baseball nerd who just keeps caring about the all-star game, no matter how they change the rules, uh, you know, the differences, the it's I, I always kind of geek out. How about you? I mean, I love it as a fan of the game of baseball and like just loving the game. The fact that you're like mixing all of the teams and you're battling the leagues against each other. And it's like the major leagues in and of itself is the best of the best. And then you just like put the best of them and battle. I think it's phenomenal. And I even want to say that I really enjoyed the little bit of a window where it mattered, where it was like home field advantage. And, you know, I like that intense competition. I just I love the all-star game. So fun. See, that's funny. Uh, that's a good place to start because that actually drove me nuts. The home field advantage uh, idea, this time it counts or this time it matters. I can't remember the branding now. It seems like once you got to the postseason, you would remember these things and you'd be like, wait, we're in this ballpark because this happened in the All-Star game. How is that? How is that plausible? So in 2012, when the Giants and you guys are in uh, Detroit, that's because Melky Cabrera and Pablo Sandoval, they did something off Justin Verlander in the All-Star game. Like they got him in the first inning, the National League won. And that is, you know, why the, the setup was that way. That's rare, though, for the people involved to be the reason why the Giants were home for game one and two. That's rare. Usually it's just like, I don't know, some random person serving up a, a random meatball to a random hitter. I mean... Yeah, in 2014, Jeter's last game got a he did he 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 deserved a fastball down the middle, got it, and he punished us, and he got the MVP. Uh, what a special player! But 
you know, so like I guess in 2012, I rewarded from, uh, you know, the all-star game being, getting the home field advantage. And in 2014, I had to be on the road. Uh, but I still just like, I love that it means something. And, and here's the, here's a, here's another take on it. And, and I know that that may have bothered you. And that is, that is a weird window that the game was deciding home field advantage. I don't think that, that should have been put on anyone, but I can still enjoy it, uh, <laughs> even though it doesn't make sense. But as a player that was on a team that was definitely like out in the first half and getting to go to an all-star game, 2011, we were like way out of it in Houston. And I just remember being like, this is so awesome. And I was a young kid and I was just like, I get to have an impact on the World Series. And that's like a dream come true. And I was so fired up and I was so locked in. The first all-star game that I played in, Grant, I was the only player that didn't get to play. Oh. He played everyone but me. I was in the cage getting ready, getting ready, getting ready. Everybody but me played. And I remember I was pissed. <laughs> I was like, I may never, like, I was so pumped to be an all-star. And I was like, I may never, like, you don't, I couldn't believe that I was an all-star. It was like so, like, surreal. I had no idea that I was going to get to go to a couple more. I literally, in my mind as a, as the young hunter, I was like, I am going to kill the Phillies every year. <laughs> and I, like, like, I went berserk. And like my mind, and I was so freaking pissed whenever we played the Phillies because of that. Little did I know that that actually played out really well for me because I played so good against the Phillies, they traded for me. The first time you show up there, is that the first thing you're shaking Charlie Manuel's hand and you're like, hey, by the way. By the way, I used to hate you and now I love you. <laughs> no, you know, that's good to hear because I never thought about that. Like someone going from, first of all, let's let's point out that it's weird that you are a National League all-star for the Astros. Uh, that just blew my mind because I forgot about that. But second, you go in there and you have something to play for for the first time. And I mean, you know, you have a lot to play for when you're playing, even on a bad team. But there's like a, an intensity, a different kind of like almost I'm a contender in intensity that comes with you wanting to win that game that maybe wasn't there uh the the week before honestly i don't know if everyone bought into it like watch the nba all-star game or even you know like sometimes like the the nfl pro bowl is very challenging because like a lot of times you get hurt in football by not not going your hardest and it's like this you know you're competitors and you're competing this is a kind of a reward so it's a weird window and like you got to think of it as like the very young players even if you like watch the nba all-star game and like Yo, I remember hearing like Steph Curry talk about Otten Kempo and how that dude was like going at it. And they're like, like some of the veterans are kind of laughing and trying to stay healthy because they're older and realize. And the young players are like, I'm going to show the world I'm the best all star. <laughs> right. So you get like these different mentalities all coming together. And some people are like, oh, this is like my vacation. I'm spending time with my family. I'm not going to take the game that seriously. But then some players like myself are like, I'm coming to this is my chance. So it's a weird thing as far as the player's perspective. And like not everyone's treating it the same. When I uh, first started writing about national baseball, there was a lot of talk about, oh, ratings are down, ratings ratings are down uh, for the X number year. The ratings are the lowest ever for Major League Baseball All-Star Games. So I wrote a column. I looked into it. And the difference was not that people cared about baseball less, but just you have to transport your, yourself back to 1968, 1972. You have to go back... And just if you are a baseball fan there, how are you consuming baseball? You're not pulling out your phone. You're not on MLB.tv. You're uh, in New York and you've heard about, I don't know, Vita Blue. And you just, you, what's this Vita Blue guy? This guy in Oakland, he's tearing the league up. You can't just turn on your TV and watch an A's game when you're in New York or Missouri. So like the All-Star game was, okay, this is Vita Blue. 
Vita Blue is now starting and I get to see this guy. And it's a big deal because other than like a sporting news article, uh, Sports Illustrated, maybe a game of the week, you know, you would catch. Uh, you just didn't get a chance to see these guys. If you're in Detroit and Hank Aaron coming through, this is your chance to see Hank Aaron at Tiger Stadium. Like that kind of stuff. It's different now. And it just it meant so much back then. And it's awesome both ways. It's just very different. Yeah, but, you know, I, I think you're going way further back than you even have to. Because even when I was a kid coming up in, like, the 90s, we had one television when I was a kid. And it was whatever my dad wanted to put on. And the only game that was ever on was, like, the Rangers local game, you know, or the local game there. I mean, you could watch ESPN highlights, but, you know, I didn't really, like, we didn't have, like, great internet. There, you know, it was, like, dial-up. I didn't have a computer or anything. or Like, so I could maybe see SportsCenter if my dad happened to put it on. But, like I said, he didn't put it on that much. So it was just like that one game. So it was definitely a lot less access. Like when even in, even not too far back until MLB Network, MLB TV. Like if you're really interested, you can go watch all of these players and highlights everywhere. But still, even with that, the All-Star Game is still spectacular. We're going to watch something in this All-Star Game that we have never seen before. And it's been the talk of, you know, baseball as a whole. But... The leading home run hitter is also one of the best pitchers. We're going to watch a guy pitch and hit and start in the starting lineup as the DH. Like, that's insane, Grant. That's bonkers. It is. I, and he's in the home run derby. I got to get that in there, too. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's it's tricky to be, you know, my day job is to write about one team and one team only. And so I'm hyper focused on the Giants almost to a fault. Basically, I check in with Otani in, in the, the nighttime highlights. But most of the time, my phone buzzes. And I pick up my phone and it's an MLB.com notification that says, uh, show Otani hit one 600 feet and then, you know, pitch 13 innings for a win. You know, it's like, what? You know, look at it. And it's like, I, my brain can't process it. So yeah, this all-star game you have, it's been a long, long history of baseball. And this dude's doing something in the all-star game that hasn't been seen before. I'm actually very thoroughly excited to hear about that. And I loved hearing from Madden that he's going to do both and that Cash is already thinking like, how am I going to get him in there? How am I going to do that? My starting DH has got a pitch and he's not, you know, because Shohei's only a starting pitcher. Like how is him going to like coming in as a relief pitcher? Because the starting pitcher is basically like, that's a huge honor to be the starting pitcher of the all-star game. This is like the halfway point Cy Young of each league. Basically that's, that's what it's saying. Have you talked to pitchers who made the all-star team and they are starters and they're worried about coming in as a reliever? Like, as I know, starters are creatures of habit. Are they just like, ah, you know, I'll go with the flow. Or are they thinking, gosh, everything's going to be different for me for one inning? This is one of the coolest things about like going to the all-star game is like getting to talk with some of the greatest minds and, and whatever. The level of confidence at the All-Star game is through the roof. Like these pitchers are like, I'm going to come in. And I only got to th- the- most of the starters are like, I only got to throw one inning. I am going to torch. <laughs> like that's just kind of the attitude. And it's like, you know, like we're knocking teeth out, baby. Like one inning, come and get it. So like most of them aren't. Like, there's no one that's like sitting around worried about that. Like usually it's a it's a very confident group, and uh, there's a lot to learn. And I will say that my last All-Star game. I felt like the the team was locked in and like the majority of the team in my last one was like taking it very serious. And I know that it wasn't like I was actually injured. I wasn't even playing in this one. And I felt the intensity. It was super fun. Some of the All-Star games were a little bit more relaxed and some more intense. And that was the most intense one. So the fact that nothing was on the line and it was getting heightened, I think it's because the media is kind of blowing it up so much bigger. They've definitely created it a very fun experience and, and like just they do really, really good things for the players now versus like 
some of the earlier ones I went to, which were great. There was a lot less going on. What are the changes? Uh, so you made your first All-Star game in 2009, your last one in 2019. Uh, you had two in between. Did it change at all? Or was the experience just you were younger when you, you first went and then you were a little bit more of a veteran when you when you went for the last time? Or were there like structural changes, vibes that you felt? Yeah, I think definitely structural changes and vibes. And I guess just with the the world that we live in now with like influencers and like how... Like all of that happens, like the gift suite is like a thing that was super fun where all these companies like show you like all of these. So you feel really and most of these companies are just like giving this stuff to all of the players to for them to like post or whatever. So like the gifting suite was like insane. It was super fun. And I was very thankful. And I found a bunch of companies that I really love from that that gifting suite, the red carpet or whatever. I remember when I was young, like the parade was kind of like. You drive on this thing. There's a couple people waving at you. And then you just walk into the thing. Now there's like, there's media. What are you wearing? You got to, you know, like there's all this like crazy hype. Like it was actually like, a, you feel like a movie star nowadays, which it wasn't necessarily like that when back in the day, it was just like, ah, oh, you're going to the field. You go get your practice in a couple people wave at you. And that was about it. Really? So it was just it, like now it's 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 more a lot more red carpet and it it's the Instagram. It's, it's get a picture of this player with this product. And like, you know, that's, that's worth something. There's like all sorts of that. And, and 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 I think maybe it's the Manfred era or whatever, but there's like tons of like, I don't even know what to call them, like little, just little shenanigans that you got to do. And, and I think that is the social media era that we're in today. And it's like, uh, here's a booth, a photo booth and a, and a video booth and like lights going everywhere and then go over here and do the, you know, so there's definitely just like more promoting going on. Whereas back in the day, it was just kind of old school. It was just kind of like the promotion is the game. Now, let me ask you this. As a writer, like my training consists of opening bags of chips and sitting down and watching a game. And it's, you know, I don't have the most strenuous job as far as the physical requirements. But I will say I have covered an all-star game and I've also not covered an all-star game. I have gone to, you know, I went to Washington. I actually took my wife and we made a vacation out of it. So I'm covering the the derby, the all-star game. And then afterwards, I'm walking six miles to different Smithsonian's and stuff like that. And after I came back, I felt like I needed a break from the all-star break, right? And there have been years where I don't cover the game and it's refreshing. You know, I'm just doing nothing. I'm not thinking about baseball. I'm turning on a game and then not writing about it. So as a player, which is much more physically demanding, you're traveling way more than I ever did. Like, is there a sense of, oh boy, I could use the break. The break sounds great. You know, like, how do you weigh that between the honor of going? I think you're always like, like I was super pumped. Like I couldn't, I always, and I honestly didn't like a break. Like if I was playing baseball, like I would use my break to try to catapult into the second half if I didn't make the all-star team. So I would try to like stay in the town, like ask if I could get into the weight room, the cage, like going to work on some things. I would take, you know, maybe one day of rest. So like for me going to the all-star game was awesome. I was like, I get to stay in baseball rhythm because there's like a rhythm. And like, this is another thing where I talked about a couple weeks ago that the half shift that four day off period, there's a weird thing that happens, but you know, whether you like, you you know, charge in and get your work in or just get away from baseball. Sometimes that recharges someone, everyone works differently. So for me, that's how I felt. Like I love the all-star game. It kept me in the baseball rhythm, but it is, especially now because there's so you're being asked to do so many things when you do that, it is tiring in a long, tiring season. 
But there's a couple people that are like that go every year that are like, this is a lot of work. You kind of lose money on what they give you because like your whole family and like you got to get people in hotels that can't, you know, you want to take care of them. So you actually as a player, it's going to cost you quite you know a little bit to get out there, but maybe not anymore. I just know for me, like it was more expensive to go, but it wasn't about that. It was about that experience with your family and also like just something that I love more than anything and getting to be a part of the big one of the biggest stages. In case anyone listening is like, oh, you know, boo-hoo, millionaires, you got to pay. It's like, A, stop that. B, don't forget about Not the Not all of the All-Stars are there yet, by the way. Like, like I was still, like, kind of on league minimum. Yes, exactly. Remember the pre-arbitration players who were like, you know, they didn't get the $5 million signing bonus or whatever. They just came out from per diem money in the minor leagues. And, like, it's like, it's a big deal. Those younger ones are the ones that are having more family and more friends that want yes, to come than anyone cool. else. Because by the time you've like made your money and you've been around the league for a while, people are kind of tired of you. And they're just kind of like, oh, yeah, like I'll watch from home this time. But like, the, you know, like you get your first one and let's say you're, you know, there's some young kids that make an all-star game, have a great half and then like haven't quite figured it out and something goes wrong and they're out of the league in a year or two. Right. But like you got to think that their whole family and everyone is coming. And like at that time, you're also not very powerful in your no, or at least I wasn't. So it's like, you don't have time to focus on everyone. You got to like, just like, it's tough to limit that. You said you had memories of all-star games. And I think what you meant was all-star games that you watched as a fan. Give me the one that popped into your head. You got excited for a second. It was Eric Gagne hadn't blown a save in a billion years. And I was, you know, a Rangers fan. So, like, back then when you could only really watch your team, like you said, it was super cool to, like, really root for your, the guy from your team. And, uh, you know, growing up in Arlington. So, Hank Blaylock took him deep to win and was, like, MVP. And I was just like, Rangers, baby! <laughs> Getting all pumped. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. No, it's. It, I mean, when you're watching, you're watching as a fan and it's – Baseball is so hyper-regional now. So it's it's back in the day, maybe there was like some National League pride, American League pride, stuff like that. Now you're sort of like, all right, my guys, like, let's let's see. This is my chance, especially if you have, if you're watching a, a kind of a lousy team that has one of the best players in baseball. It's like, all right, all right I know where we, where we are on the standings, but check this guy out. You know, like in 2008, the Giants weren't doing much. We're going to send Tim Lincecum, this guy, Tim Lincecum. Let's see. Let's see how you like him. Tim Lincecum pitching, I think, was a, a lot of fun. Just him being out there. That was one of my favorite memories. But also in 1984, it was at Candlestick and I got to go. I sat center field upper deck it was maybe the coldest baseball experience of my life you know candlestick has a reputation this was an especially just frigid day and you know it's as far as candlestick goes it might have been the coldest night i ever spent at candlestick but it was still fun you're still you know dwight gooden you know is, is there and you're watching dwight gooden in the middle of of everything and and actually going there as a fan is pretty dang cool that's incredible. I mean, I never got to go to one as a fan. I guess now I will. Like when I was a kid, I think the ballpark in Arlington had one and uh, I wasn't uh, able to go, but I'm sure like that had to be great. So like, was that your favorite moment was just being freezing in the stands and like, that I was, there so. was no moment in the game. It was just getting to go to one. Well, it was uh, cheering How old for. Were you? Uh, let's see, the '84 would have been seven, eight. You know, it's just it's cheering for. I think the All Stars for the Giants were Bob Brenly, Chili Davis. You know, cheering for them, but then also getting to watch Dwight Gooden and feeling like just for that brief second, yeah, Dwight Gooden's ours now. You know, he's on our side and watching him because he was he was freaking magic uh, when, when he came up in 1984 when he was just dominating the league. You know, it's like Otani. It was like that that vibe of like Fernando. 
Emmanuel Otani, like you get this wave behind one player. And at that time it was good. Yeah. And that is also another thing that's like the league pride, like, you know, like you're, you're battling all your rivals, but now all of a sudden it's like, yeah, like our league is definitely going to, you know, beat your league. And, uh, you know, then like American league had like that dominance for a long time. And I was really pumped that the national league, like started getting some wins and now they're pretty, it's pretty even. Like, can we review the last, like, let's just say last four. Oh, last four. Let's see. The American League has won in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Their the last 2020 skip seven. American League has won seven straight. Seven straight. So they have. Well, uh, wait, wait, wait. When was the last National League victory then? Last National League victory was 2012. That's that one I'm talking about where Melky Cabrera, Buster Posey, Pablo Sandoval jump on Justin Verlander. So get more Giants in there. That's That's what I'm saying. Okay, so 2011 and 2012, National League won. Yeah, and 2010. Okay, so there's a three-year window. I was in the 11 one, uh, and then I got I, I was on the American League side for 14, even though I was injured, <laughs> but I'm going to take a lot of credit for cheering them on really hard. Yeah, Dan, uh, absolutely. And you know what? So talk about that, like the vibes of being there, and when you're watching the Home Run Derby and you've got pe- the players on the field and they've got you know friends and family and, and they're palling around and elbowing each other and they're having so much fun, like the camaraderie of the All-Star game, is it as fun and cool as it looks like on TV? Like, Do you get to know some of these guys that you might have otherwise never talked to? A hundred percent. It's super special for me because you make connections that, and then the baseball family becomes a lot tighter like it feels like a smaller world but the thing is is like once you get to meet the person like you watch the player and it's a lot of times like they're in a different like alter ego or whatever and then when you actually talk to the person it's like completely different than what you expect so like those experiences are are very they're like they're priceless you know it's just like it's it's quite I can't even explain. It's like I'm getting tongue-tied at how cool it is and, and how fun it is and unique to talk to some of the best players and just realize how, you know, we're all humans. That's the one thing I would say that I noticed. Because, like, I as a kid growing up, like, the All-Stars are, like, not human. They're these, like, superheroes, and they're out of this world. And then as you talk to them, like, you're like, whoa, we're all humans. They're still, you know, stressing and, you know, have, you know, are, are working on things, are hurting, are dealing, you know, like, you know, a lot of times they're dealing with injuries you didn't even know about because, you know, you see the training room and stuff and they're like dealing with a lot of stuff. And you're like, man, you do not even know that this person is dealing with all of this pain and like going out and playing like a savage. So you're really impressed and, and really get a cool, you know, just connection with like the human of the all-star player. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. And so what's the dugout like? You're the dugout for uh, National League or American League All-Star game. And you are, are you sitting next to your teammates if you have them? Are you seeking out guys that maybe you, you don't know and picking their brain and just rubbing elbows with them? But how are you approaching the dugout? Dugout's pretty intense, honestly. Clint Hurdle was very impressive. Uh, and the one that uh, in Minnesota, like I loved the energy that he brought to the dugout. Like he kept it alive. We lost that game. But man, I could like feel that. And that, that was when the Pirates were having that window of like really great season and just like tough wild card games. But I could feel like, 
Like all of that Pirates group, that that All-Star game like brought a lot of energy to the dugout. I remember Zach Greinke was with the Dodgers and I was with the Giants. And I remember I was facing a, a pitcher that I didn't know anything about. And he knew him. I think it was Holland with the Royals when he was coming up with the sliders. And he was like, he loves the slider. He loves the slider or something like that. And I was just like, man, that's super cool of Greinke to like, you know, give me a scouting report when there was really no scouting reports. And everyone starts pulling on the same string and everyone's like focused and working. And it's it's and I remember in Arizona that was like the Giants staff, and I was, you know, with uh, I think it was with the yeah, I was with the Astros. That's 2011, and the Giants staff, you know, Boach and Flannery, they had, and then Pablo was like a, me and him like changed bats. Like I grabbed some of his bats, and we had a really swag in, in that and that one, the swagger of that Giants staff and the swagger of that team. Uh, it was a really fun win, and we just kind of had this like really confident attitude. So all of them were like different energies. It was a little bit in, in, in Minnesota besides like hurdle. Cause I know the Cardinals and um, I think he gave a really classy speech and like, you know, but it was like very calm besides hurdle and that one. And then the one with, with Alex Cora and, and that whole group was really phenomenal. Speaking of Alex Cora, I wanted to bring him up a little bit, but that dugout in Cleveland was intense and everyone like, it was like, it was like, if I could, if I could describe the energy state, it was fire. It was just like, everyone was locked in. Everyone was top stepping. Everyone was teaching everyone. Verlander was super cool in the dug and in the, in the clubhouse. Like everyone was talking grips and like how he throws this, how he throws that. And like, it was a, a really, really fun vibe with that, that Red Sox crew. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's honestly different every time, just like every team is different. Even if you're on the giants every year, there's different people that make the energy a little bit different. So I'm looking at the times you made the all-star game and it looks like national league, national league, last one's American league. So you did not get a chance to be on an all-star team with Ichiro. Did you hear about his, uh, when he would do the post-game speeches, uh, before his all-star games? After game speech? Well, so it, the, the Athletic just published like this oral history of like stories you might not know about Ichiro. And I can't recommend it enough. It's the funniest freaking article I've read. The dude is just an amazing character, just a character's character. And one of the stories was uh, Joe Torrey would be doing his his manage, you know, his manager speech before, you know, he's going, he's talking about, okay, here we go. And this is important. And he's given up and he's given a Joe Torrey speech, like this actual, you know, he's puffing up his players and players are starting to go like yeah okay this is you know like they're feeling the vibes they're feeding off of this uh leader speech and then at the end he would always go uh Ichiro now it's you and Ichiro would stand up and he would say let's kick their effing fat asses and that was the speech and it would that just was all like, he said that was all you know all he said and every year it would get louder and more intense and it would be like you know it was like Ichiro's catchphrase but the first time he did it everyone was like Oh, that's the speech. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, like it was, it was a way to cut up the room. So I don't know. I had to throw that in there because I read it last night. It just, it blew my mind. I think he was on the opposing team for one of, one of the ones I was in. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I mean, he was one of those players that just was on, you know, every all-star team basically when he was active, when you made an all-star team as maybe a young player in 2009, was there a player where you're like, holy shnikes, like I get to, I'm on this dude's team. Like, was there a guy you sought out? To like obviously like in 2009 like Albert Pujols was like you know and and like he it was in St Louis so he was like super exhausted he was like man I got to do everything and like I got to win this home run derby and like but he was like everywhere at that time so Albert Pujols was the first one that I feel like I blocked out to 2009 because I didn't get to play but I just remember him being like the big deal <laughs> I just have small memories of that one and then uh, I know that Brian Wilson was 
quite the interesting, like he was so cool to meet. And I even remember Brandon League was pretty interesting, just his outfits and stuff. And like, he started a clothing company, by the way, that Parallel League, that's like, I love it. So anyway, like I thought he was, he had such crazy outfits that I was just like, this guy's awesome. But Brian Wilson was like doing some like super crazy workouts where like, I don't even know. He was like Spider-Man, like doing pull-ups. You remember the window of Brian Wilson, right? Like he like started so many things that were like no one had thought of. Like he was, he had like a picture of his face on his spikes. And like now everyone has like artwork on their spikes, but he was like the first one to get like, you know, and, and it had like, and he was closing that game. So it was like, it was quite a spectacle. The whole Brian Wilson, like his workouts, his attitude, his mentality. And, and like, he's just so smart and like, so like comedy that it was just like, I was just like, whoa, this guy is amazing. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever. And that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network. You're there to look for jobs. You're there to post jobs. And how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. It's so hard to... because. Baseball players have a lot to lose by showing like their personality if it's not like exactly. I don't know that there's like more risk than reward when it comes to being yourself a lot of times. That's why you will get, you know, 100, you know, I give 110 percent. We're just, you know, one day at a time. You're getting the boilerplate quotes because, listen, it's harder to open up and, you know, not take criticism or not be a, uh, scrutinized. So to have a player like every so often, you'll get these players who are like, hello, I'm different. And Brian Wilson was one of those guys like, no, 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 I am. I'm Brian Wilson. I'm here. I'm going to give a good quote. I'm going to be just a little, you know, off. By the time you're doing Taco Bell commercials, maybe the general public's like, OK, you know, we've seen enough. But I don't know. It's I would rather have a lot of those players who just are just just different, you know? His like beard commercials were fear the beard and they had like the dancing and he was like talking about it. Like apparently he like came up with all of that himself, you know, like he like it was just like off the cuff, like him talking about I don't even remember, but it was like some hilarious stuff. So like he was just hyper creative. And I think that back in the day it was super looked down upon but as like this new regimen and this new group that's coming up that that's come up with social media that's come up with like branding yourself that's come up with like a more open a little bit more open-minded there's like you know there's like the creative the, the fernando tatis who's like got this all this personality you know tim anderson's got all this personality and it's it's becoming more acceptable is it is it still gonna like you know ruffle some feathers sometimes you know but that's part of also the entertainment of baseball. So I do think that it's way more uh, accepted now than it used to be.
Yeah, I think that that's true. I think in some ways, you know, Brian Wilson was a, a, a precursor to what would come because it, now you're right. Like Tatis, you want guys like that with personality. You want Flash. And it's not just for the health of the game, but it certainly helps. And it helps when you have guys who are, maybe they're not flashy, but they're just bright as heck. Like when you, a Giolito or something, you know, when they're given these quotes, you want to see more and more and more of this personality. And with, you know, Instagram and, and, and all this stuff and maybe even TikTok, you get to see it. You get to see it more. And if you want to be Brian Wilson, I mean, Brian Wilson was one of the first baseball players on Twitter because he's like, I got stuff to say. Like, I'm, you know, here I am. Baseball players are like that more, I think. There's more of them. And, and, and there's definitely more opportunities now because even like back when I first came up, there was when there was no Twitter, all you had was what the writer decided to say from what you said and how he could cut and paste whatever, you know, like, so you had to be like super short and super close. Cause you weren't sure what they were going to write about what you said. Like, you know, if things were taken out of context, so it was very dangerous, but now everyone has their own voice. Cause everyone has their own Instagram. And, and like, so you know who the person is no matter what, cause they, you know, if they choose to have a Twitter and an Instagram, they, they get to get, put it in their context. So it completely changed the, landscape of of the athlete having this so um i I guess it's it's more safe to be open as well as well as like more accepted all right take me through this it is 2011 it's the bottom of the fourth inning uh you are playing for the national league they just took a 3-1 lead off of a prince fielder home run you are in as a defensive replacement now you're up against cj wilson Take me through that bat. Is your heart pounding? Is it coming out of your chest? Or is it just, you know, kind of, is it just a baseball appearance to you? Just no more, no less. Mm, man, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure he got me out, but I was, I definitely had faced CJ Wilson a lot. So I was, I was kind of like, I know this is a tough at bat. This is a great guy, but at least I'm familiar with him. But that first all-star at bat, are you a little bit more nervous or are you a little bit more intense? Or is it just like. Adrenaline is pumping. Okay. Like, yeah, I'm trying to do way too much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you you took him to a full count. You struck out swinging, uh, but at the same time, it's I just can't imagine being in that scenario and being able to fight through it. I know that that's the job of a baseball player. Like you're you're gonna have your first at bat in the World Series, your first at bat in the majors, your first at bat against this guy in this situation in the bottom of the ninth. You're gonna have a lot of firsts where the adrenaline will be pumping. But it seems to me like that All Star game, that first there is gonna be just a little different. You know, uh, if you're a, a connoisseur. Of of adrenaline like that's gonna have a little bit different notes i like how you how you phrase <laughs> that that's actually kind of true but i mean i would say like you have a lot of these windows throughout your career right where it's just like hyper adrenaline like a different flavor of adrenaline like you know i never made like a college world series i'm sure that that's like this magical feeling that you get your first game in the majors is this extraordinarily magical feeling that you get it's dream coming true and so, you know, if you ever make the playoffs, but you, you know, you're not guaranteed a World Series at bat. You're not guaranteed a playoff at bat. You're not guaranteed a major league at bat. So I will say that it's like first game of majors, all-star game and playoff baseball. These are the ones that like, and, and even like the first game of the year, you know, you do all the spring training, you do all this, the first game of the season, especially when you're young. So like all of these are like high emotional at bats, but you, by the time you've gotten there, you kind of have an idea of who you need to be to have a great at bat. Got it. So, you know, you're, you're standing in there. You're, I'm not you're, calm. 
Yeah. <laughs> you're standing in there and your heart's pumping, but it's just, it's pumping in a baseball way. Just that kind of, uh, is that last one that you made your favorite Ulster? Can you even, is it like children? Can you have favorites other than that? You know, we're not talking about 2009 and we didn't even get in there, but like when you actually get in those games, like, do you have a favorite or are they all just like different, different shades of, of a good experience? With this in particular, I, I have, to, I have a favorite because of how 2018 went. 2019 was like, it meant a lot to me and what I did to like get there to be like, I knew like my, my body was still healthy at the time. And I think I took too much advantage of that. I didn't really take into account. I was like, ah, I'm, I'm not old. Like I can do this like crazy training. And I hit like an hour and a half, seven days a week for like three months, you know, two months, like trying to retrain, you know, cheats an old dog, new tricks. So did I need to do that much? Probably not. I probably could have gone like 40 minutes and like five days a week. But I was just like so determined that I was going to like do well. And then like not knowing if it was going to work and going to to winter ball. And that in and of itself, if I never got to play in the majors, was worth it. Because it was like such a life-changing, amazing experience. And I love the Dominican Republic and winter baseball. It was so fun. But I didn't do that great. I did just okay. But I needed that time to like work on the swing. And when I got to spring training, I felt so much more comfortable and confident in what I was doing for it to all work out and to make the all-star game that year. It meant so much to me. So yeah, I would have to say that that was probably my favorite. Cause I wasn't even supposed to make a team. I was supposed to just be there to like work in the clubhouse. And somehow I worked my way into like playing every day, got this opportunity to play every day and played so well that I made an all-star team when I wasn't even supposed to be on a team. Like that was, it was, it was a wild year. You know, not to lay it on too thick, but I love the all-star stories where it is this guy did this and I, no one was expecting it. And now he's here. Cool as hell. Right. And watching from the outside and, you know, now I'm not writing about the Giants. You're not in the Giants. I'm not writing about you every day. Just sort of like checking in with your stats every, you know, it's a hot start. And then you're checking back in. It's still hot. And checking back in and like, man, he's, he's really going for it. And then you start the all-star chatter and it's like. You know, it got Giants fans pumped up. Like, I understand why you weren't on the Giants that year. And a lot of fans did, too. Like, the fit wasn't there. And it just allowed... It wasn't like an acrimonious, like, ah, oh, you know, like, screw this team. And they, were, and they weren't like, oh, you know, Hunter Pence, go away. It was like Giants fans still had, like, a lot of love and affection for you and like they were rooting for you from the other side and it was one of the coolest you know all-star selections like it's hard to get pumped about an all-star selection it's like this little you know piece of news like Hunter Pence made the American League all-star team but it got Giants fans pumped up it was a really kind of cool moment I was pretty thankful and every time we came to Oakland like tons of Giants fans and Giants love so that was super cool and like anytime there was a lot of times people coming up, even in, in Texas and stuff, in Giants gear. And so it was definitely a unique connection there. Um, and But also, like, it was super unique being in – that's where I grew up. So and it was the last year that stadium that was built when I lived there. So it was like this, like, magical year for sure. When I did sign with the Giants to come back in 2020, I was, like, super pumped with all I learned. I'm just kind of sad that, like, the hip never – it, like, re-injured itself and, uh, and things didn't work out because I wanted to have that same – success and bring it back and like give back to the the love that I got from the Giants but I'll always be thankful for that so that one yeah it's definitely my favorite and I didn't even play you didn't even play so when you're not playing in an all-star game you're still in the dugout you're still hanging out like you're still it's it's basically everything it's like the 2009 experience except you know you're not going to play right 
Yeah, this time I knew I wasn't going to play and there was a reason I wasn't going to play. So I didn't have to focus or get, get in and work. I just got to like talk with amazing people and get perspectives of like even just meeting the staffs and conversations with them. And I had amazing like conversations with a lot of the Red Sox staff talking about like the soul power it takes to win a World Series and how it's like it's super hard to do back to back because like you dig like to the the depths of your soul, every fiber of your being. There's so much energy and and like emotional drain from how much adrenaline and passion you put into it. So they were kind of talking about that. And that was another thing I wanted to talk about. I know it's all-star game and and we've hit on a lot of that, but like let's talk about the Red Sox switch because they're like I don't know. They're in the top four picks in the draft. So they were like bottom four teams last year. And I know it was 2020 and it was crazy. Alex Cora comes back and now they're looking like legit. They're like the best record in baseball right now. Well, maybe a little, like, I think a little bit. Them and the Giants are like the same. That's a huge swing. <laughs> it is. And the Red Sox have done that in the past. I mean, I, I always get their years mixed up because they've had this pattern of they're just sort of like they're up. And then they're down and then it's like, oh, they're up. Oh, and then they collapse in September. And then like they, they've had those swings. So I even think when they won the World Series in 2018, I want to say that they weren't too hot in 2017. I'm going to look that up right now because now I'm doubting myself. But it just feels like they're right now. They finished uh, first that, that year before. OK, but it just it, it feels like they've had these swings before where they in 2015, they were a last place team. And then the next year, like, hello, we're it's 2016 and, and we're we're winning the division. Vision. So they've had these swings. Boston fans are used to them. It's not like that steady hum of the Yankees or, you know, the Cardinals, where at worst they're going to win 83 games or something. It's they've had those swings. I guess I just wanted to throw some credit over, you know, to Cora and their roster is a little bit different, but it's not a ton different. You know, there's something special about that guy and what he's doing over there. And granted, like there's some things that I, you know, whatever, but I'm just like, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued and I'm going to be enjoying following Boston. And I think we haven't given them enough credit. Uh, we'll see how that goes, but I, I definitely am starting to buy into them being legit Devers with 71 RBIs. Yikes. Yeah. Anyway, I was just, I was just throwing that in there because he was the, uh, the manager of that all-star game. And I was looking at them before we came on the podcast, like them and the Brewers, I think are like my first half, like, okay, you guys are legit and you guys, you know, I didn't I didn't necessarily expect this. Now, with the All-Stars that we didn't expect, I mean, it's easy for me to say on the outside and I'm I'm, I'm an analyst. Brandon Crawford and Buster Posey in the All-Star game and making the All-Star game at as the veterans that they are, you know, they they've had their their canyons in their career where you thought, okay, well, this is just who they are. They're going to age gracefully. Like talk about Crawford or Posey or both like were you expecting this? Like either one of these guys to have all-star seasons? Honestly, I'm not surprised just because like I was, I was working with Crawford and, and like I said, like I experienced the difference when you like with the new swing tech, I got to work with the, the offensive staff that's with the giants. They know what they're doing and the talent of Crawford. They're still, they're still in their window of like extremely athletic and Buster had a year off. And like, just like before Buster took off in 2020, like he had the the twins that he was adopting. He was locked in and really enjoying the work with them. He was on a mission because he didn't do so good the year before. And like just Buster has a competitive fire second to no one. Like I've never seen one someone as competitive as he is. And he does it like where you don't really realize how intense and like furious he competes. Because it looks so graceful, but he is furious out there. And so I think coupled with like 
what I knew about the swing changes and like, you know, Crawford got a little bit of it under his belt. He was doing it. He hadn't quite hit that where it clicks, clicks, and now it's clicking. And I think he's going to continue to get better. And that's what I was saying. It's like both of them, it's going to be great. And, and even like one I'm, I'm kind of sad about. And, and I think Longoria was doing this on his own. He's just like naturally that is like Longoria was kind of on pace to, to be putting up an all star type numbers before he got hurt. He was on fire when he got hurt. So yeah, the Giants are, are doing some magic with the old guys, and it's got two of them in the uh, in the All Star game. All right, we are almost out of time. So give me predictions. Who who's gonna win? Give me an exact score. Let me run to the bookie and put some money down. Let me make some money on a hundred pence prediction. That's a on the spot. I would like to look at the pitchers a little bit more, but I'm gonna take them down the National League, <laughs> and I'm gonna take the National League's gonna win four to two. Oh, that's that's good. Yeah, you know what? I will piggyback off that. I'm tired of the American League winning. Uh, it's not. I don't know. It's it just seems like one of those things that shouldn't. It's not like the American League is better. The National League has tons of talent. It's just one of those quirky things where they just can't freaking win over the last few years. So I'm gonna go National League. I'm gonna go low scoring game two. I'm gonna go three to two. I'm gonna say it's intense. I'm gonna say it's intense and, and a, a good game overall. Which player are you looking forward to watching other than Otani? I think Otani. Tani is like, like, you know, Wheel of Fortune in the final round where they give you some letters. Like, Otani's the R-T-S-N-L-E of Wheel of Fortune. Like, everyone's excited to watch Otani. But what player other than Otani might you want to watch? I mean, obviously, all of the Giants and all the Rangers, like, Joey Gallo is always like he's one of my favorite teammates as well from the Rangers. So Crawford, Posey, Gossman, Gallo. If it's like someone that I don't know that I like, just as a fan fan, probably Tatis. Yeah, Tatis is probably like that. I really want to watch uh, Bo Bichette uh, just because I don't watch him a ton. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm hyper focused on on Vlad Jr. and and different players around the league. I don't know much about Bo Bichette, so if he gets in the game, I, I'll kind of have an eye on him. Home run derby, real quick. Let's talk about it. Uh, first off, you never participated in one, correct? Correct. Did you want to? That was like the one thing, and I can't complain. Like of all of my like hyper goals, it was like to win as many World Series as I could, compete in an all you know in a, in a home run derby. Like I had like that was like high on my list of like because I love BP homers. Yeah, and you had a reputation of being a BP guy. Like you know the ball jumped off your bat. Obviously, you're you're a freaking all star, but like you had like the BP reputation, and it it seemed like it would have played there, right? Maybe, you know, it was the one that I got super close where I was almost, uh, I think Tulowitzki was the captain or something. I don't even know. I, I, I'm pretty sure it was him, but he took uh, more, more no over me because it was in Minnesota and he was with the Rockies. Like they were like, they like gave me the call and they were like, Hey, can you do this interview? Like you might be on it. And then, and they were like, they went with the Homer and I'm actually glad they did because I'll be honest, like. Uh, I'd had a good first half, but I remember hitting BP and I was like, my swing was just in a little bit of a funk. I don't think that I was in, in the home run derby form that I normally was the one time that I almost got in. So they were like, yeah, we probably should have put you, but more was in Minnesota, the homecoming It made more sense. And I liked it. So that was my one opportunity. And I wasn't too upset that I missed it. Cause like my swing did not feel good right then. In 2014, there was an article and it's titled The Four Players Who Need to Be in the 2014 Home Run Derby. And it goes through a couple lists. And this author writes, Hunter Pence must participate. They're talking about, the, there's embedded tweets about uh, batting practice home runs that you hit. There's quotes. There's It's like it makes a case for you to be in the, the Home Run Derby. 
that was me. I wrote that article. So oh, I've, ha- I've thanks, had your Greg. back this whole time. I've had your back. Do you have any predictions about who's going to win? I need my options in front of me. All right. So as of this recording, uh, we do not have the full list. There's still spots seven and eight that have not been filled. But so far, it's Otani. It's Pete Alonso. It's Trevor Story. It's Trey Mancini, Salvador Perez, and Matt Olson. Any of those your winner? Or are you going with uh, the wild cards of seven and eight? I'm going to go with Mancini out of these. I think he's sneaky pop. That's a good one. I'm going to go Matt Olson. I'm going to go Matt Olson uh, just because I love his swing. It's just a silky, smooth swing. The thing that I like about the Home Run Derby is that baseball's a funny sport where if you are watching uh, Steph Curry play, you're going to watch him for 40 minutes. You're going to watch Steph Curry do Steph Curry things. If you're watching Tom Brady play, you're going to watch him take, you know, X number of snaps and throw X number of balls. When you see like uh, Vladimir Guerrero come into your team's stadium, you might see four at bats and maybe he walks a couple of them and maybe he, he grounds out to the right side. Home Run Derby is like that experience where it's just in your face you get the full experience when Giancarlo Stanton went off it was like the full Stanton experience and I think the home run derby that's what it means to me it's like it's just a a microscope to this player and what he can what he can do it's the slam dunk contest of baseball it's just like this is the power show us the power and how far can you hit it and how often can you hit it that far you get to have your music going you get to have a vibe and the whole crowd's like watching like because you know, these balls are just going to just absurd places. Cause like everywhere you go, you're like, so-and-so hit one here one time. And like, I saw him hit one there in BP and I saw him hit one there in the game. That's like the fun of baseball. So this is like oh, moment for baseball. Like when someone does the 360 jam and the, and the basketball, you know, like this is it. And so I have always loved the home run derby and uh, you know, I'm excited for it. All right. Maybe one day we'll get a home run derby to to settle extra innings games, just like we talked about earlier. All right. (laughs) This has been episode 15 of the Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby. Thank you so much for listening. We are actually going to talk to you from the All-Star Game. We're going to talk to you from Denver uh, the next time we talk. And uh, you're playing in a a celebrity softball game. Is that correct? I am in the celebrity softball game. So uh, I haven't played catch in like a year. Uh, I've been working (laughs) out and stretching and working on my mobility. I've been surfing. but And I signed up for the hardest positions. But uh, we'll see how that goes. I'm excited, though. Yeah, all right. Uh, We will be back next week. We'll do uh, uh, some more chatter and we'll talk about uh, baseball. Because that's what we do around here. All right. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week. I love coffee! <laughs>